Welcome into episode 52 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law here with you tonight. Um, <clears throat> Iron Bowl week is upon us. Alabama squeaks by the Arkansas Razorbacks. Seems like I'm using the word squeaks by a little bit too much when, when, when it comes to Alabama football this year. But uh, uh, nevertheless, it is Iron Bowl week. Alabama beats Arkansas 42 to 35. Auburn um, lost three games in a row, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. And now this past weekend, South Carolina on the road. They led the game 14-0, lost it 21-17. to um, Controversial call at the end of that game. I think the refs might have cheated Auburn. You know, the refs, they love to cheat Auburn. I, I mean, those refs are really on Auburn's back and have been for forever. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> a, a well-known writer for the University of Alabama, Cecil Hurt, died a couple of days ago. Um you know, he started writing for Alabama in 1982 at 23 years old and did it up until the time of his death, died from pneumonia. Um, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to him, his family, and all the people close to him. I know my dad has talked about him for as long as I can remember. I'm only 29 years old, so he wrote, you know, my whole life and plus some. And, uh, yeah, you know, I know he'll be dearly missed around the university campus. Um, you know, just about everybody's, you know, came up, came out with a statement about him, how, how much they meant to him and everything. So you can tell that he was beloved by a lot of people at the University of Alabama. But um, guys, you know, this Arkansas game, a lot of negatives, more negatives than positives. I mean, but like we said before, we're not going to harp too much on this game because we discussed earlier in the week, the podcast has gotten boring because you tune in to Gun Runners, what are you going to get? Offensive line sucks. We hate Slade Bolden. Secondary sucks. Busted coverages. Pete Golding can go. Bill O'Brien can go. Special teams coordinator sucks. So it's another week of the same old, same old, so to speak. It's something that Nick Saban has no idea how to fix by now. Uh, Pete Golding has no idea how to fix it. And, um, you know, you decide on senior day to bench two of your seniors. Um and so now it's a question of I'm, I'm speaking of uh, Josh Job and, and Chris Owens. Malachi Moore also got benched, but he is not a senior, of course. Uh, played a lot of snaps though, and they're replaced by Kool Aid McKinstry and Brian Branch. And uh, so now you just look for personnel to start the Auburn game. Does Saban do the same old stupid shit and go back with Josh Job and Malachi Moore, the two guys that have killed you all year long? Um, or do you play guys that have performed better and they've had less snaps and they've had less chances to screw up? Sure. But they perform better, you know, and, and talking about Kool-Aid and Brian Branch at that star position. But um, J-Law, relating to the, the things that we discussed, I think everybody can pretty much agree. We'll talk about the O-line. Uh, maybe that's improved. And then talk about, you know, we saw Ja'Cory Brooks get a lot of playing time, mostly as a blocker on the outside. So it's kind of obvious whenever he came in that he was going to block. But, uh, you know, we saw Christian Leary catch a touchdown off of a, a busted play that Bryce Young took advantage of. And so um, just talk about the, uh, the O-line and the receivers and, and the slight changes that were made and the, the slight improvement that we saw. Yeah, you know, although Damian George gave up two sacks, had a, a what, what we now know is a big holding penalty because Bryce took a sack two plays later, I really thought that you saw – more consistency from that Alabama offensive line from start to finish. Bryce Young wasn't under as much pressure. The only sacks you did give up were from the right tackle. So it feels like Ekior and Dalcourt played with more confidence, knowing that they may not have to pick up somebody off the right side as much as they were going to have to if Chris Owens was there. So, you know, hats off, Damian George, first SEC start. Uh, Sam Pittman's smart enough, Barry Oda's smart enough to know they're going to come after that guy. And I thought he did a pretty good job. And I thought the first sack that he did give up, Bryce Young was in the pocket for way too long. It was a long developing play. Bryce probably should have stepped up a little bit. But George did get beat. Um, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, we talked about it last week. As soon as Joe Girol went down, it was weird because Joe Girol was getting no offensive snap. And then Ja'Cory Brooks is immediately in the game. One thing to watch this week, Ja'Cory Brooks on tape, only blocking, had one catch, two catches on the year now, only blocking against Arkansas. Watch an RPO slant to that guy. He is a five-star wide receiver, the number two wide receiver in last year's class. You see Najigba Smith or whoever, whatever his name is at Ohio State, 
making massive plays for now the number two team in the country. I think Alabama had the chance to use to Corey Brooks. I think they have a chance now to use Christian Leary. And I think going into the – even going into the New Mexico State game and the Arkansas game, I think Nick Saban went to Bill O'Brien and said, man, look, we have dynamic playmakers. You don't have to know the playbook if you're a wide receiver. Put them in the game. Tell them what route to run. Let them know if they need, who they need to block on a play and put those types of players in the game. And I thought as much as Alabama's called off guard, that Arkansas was kind of called off guard with a lot of the stuff that Alabama did on offense as well because you could kind of see they mixed it up a little more. They threw the ball down the field to Slade, not just on a little comeback route. And Slade, you know, I guess he's not going to drop a ball. Cam Latu still a head case. J-Mo's good for two drops. John Mechie had a drop. Those are things you can't do this Saturday. But I was very impressed with the Alabama offensive line. And I think Nick Saban did say that after the game, you know, we didn't run for 250 yards, but they ran for, like, 130 or whatever. And it felt like they got a lot of quality runs when they wanted it outside of that fourth and one at the beginning of the game. Lester, when you head into the to the Iron Bowl, which is a tough place to play on the road, Alabama's like a 19-and-a-half point favorite, but it doesn't matter. We're not looking at the line this week. We all know about Jordan Hare and the uh, – the magic they had that happens over there in this game. Alabama's only like five and ten overall in, in Jordan Hare Stadium. I think is what I sent y'all. But um, Lester, I mean, don't, just be realistic. Don't say anything like twenty five because that's an unrealistic number. But outside heading into these games between Auburn and Georgia, we know everybody by now is going to be focused on one and eight. They're going to be focused on Mitch and JMO. So these other guys that are slowly starting to increase their receptions maybe maybe Bryce is trusting them a little bit more I mean you look at the Arkansas game JMO and Mechie still combined for 17 receptions or 18 receptions excuse me but you look at the stat line you know Latu had three Slade had three he's usually only getting one or two uh Trey Sanders had one for 36 um you know B-Rob had three receptions we talk about them having to throw to the running backs running backs caught four passes I think that's a huge upgrade and then, you know, Brooks gets a catch, Billingsley a catch, Leary a catch. So, all in all, you got, what, 3, 6, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. You got 13, 14 balls that um, – 13 passes that everybody other than JMO and Mechie caught. Is that a number that you think Alabama can have success with? Because I've talked about for a couple of weeks now, if you want to beat, especially a defense like Georgia, you cannot have two guys. As good as Jameson is, he's never played a secondary like Georgia's. Um, and they're going to do they, – they, 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 just, they just compete with him better than anybody else. He's not going to be able to just run by them with ease. Plus, I think Bryce is going to have less time to throw. So I've been screaming for weeks that Alabama either has to get production from their tight ends or find a third receiver that's going to grab five or six balls a game. So with the, the rest of the bunch catching 13 passes against Arkansas, is that a number – that we need, or would you like to see that number increase to maybe, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 18? It's a good number. It's a good number. Um, that 13 is a good number. And that 15 to 18 may happen just out of necessity. You know, if, if Mechie's covered, if, if JMO's covered, you're going to have to go to those other guys. You're going to have to, there's, there's no other, you know, option there. So I like it. I love um, spreading it around, getting some other guys involved, getting some other guys some touches. And I am so glad that the running backs are getting, you know, some touches, some catches, just just something else, another little added wrinkle that's coming at the end of the season, just something on film, something that maybe, you know, D.C. are, you know, going to have to look for this now, going to have to cover, you know, this now. Just a little something extra. Um, that other teams are going to have to think about. And, you know, once you get more guys involved, hey, your main two guys, Mech and Jamo, hey, they may be more open, you know, coming up than they have been before because other teams have to prepare for other guys. So, you know, I like it. Um, I loved it a lot. And Bryce is a great distributor on top of being a great quarterback. So, so that's pretty good going into the uh, last half of the season. You know, J-Law, you know, talking about throwing to the running backs, Jason McClellan, he went down. He had 10 catches with three touchdowns out of the backfield. So you could tell, you know, that he was the main guy. B-Rob has played all, you know, so many more snaps since Jace has gone out um, and even played more when Jace was healthy. Only has two receiving touchdowns. Rodell Williams only had one. 
So, I mean, it's it's easy to see that B-Rob really, and Bryce for that matter, like throwing the ball to Jace, and they probably have more design plays for him out of the backfield. But with him, <clears throat> excuse me, with him gone, to me, I don't see just a, a huge drop-off in Brian Robinson catching the ball and, you know, Roy Dell before he went down and now Trey Sanders. So why do you think that is? Do you, do you think Jace was just so electric in the open space they had to get in that ball? I mean, and why do you think that's – that's happened less and less since he's gone down. Well, you know, I thought Chase, if he wasn't running back one going into the year, it felt like he was taking a job. It really did. And you, you think about, you know, if Brian Robinson catches it in stride like he did, like on the hot route versus Mississippi State against the Blitz, you're not going to catch him. He's big, powerful, still fast. But I think about those touchdowns that Jace was able to score. You know, he's in a one-on-one situation with a corner. And the corner misses. He just puts the move on the corner. They couldn't touch him. I think one of those was at Florida, able to sneak into the end zone. Just a just a good twitch player that had good size, still played behind his pads. Kind of a mix between what I thought like Roy Dell and B-Rob. That was like Jace McClellan, and they were happy to get him the ball out of the backfield. Also reliable in the pass blocking game. But yeah, they, there's an emphasis on throwing the ball to the running back, and I think you might see a little bit more of that with Trey Sanders. I mean, People keep telling me Trey Sanders is banged up and he's not 100%, but, man, he broke his route off, high IQ play, followed the quarterback's eyes, got himself in between a corner and a safety, ends up 35, 36 yards downfield inside of the 10-yard line, and that's, I think, that's the possession that we ended up um, taking the sack or whatever and missing a field goal. By the way, dude, Riker left it short. What's up with that? When he gets Will Riker later, he's becoming a little bit of a head case, too, and I know Alvin fans are worried about that, but it feels like there's still that emphasis. And, you know, we're talking about guys that Bryce has confidence in. Yeah, you know, he probably doesn't want to throw the ball to 18 or, or 19 or 81 very much. But, man, you still got to cover those guys because Bryce, dude, he's not going to pass up on a, on a wide open throw. So, yeah, when you say that you got to have somebody else other than J-Mo and Slade, I mean, J-Mo and Mechie and probably Slade, but if they're open, man, I got I have confidence that Bryce is going to get them the ball. Even Gary Danielson said it Saturday. He said, man, Bryce started off like four for seven, and Gary was like, everybody's acting like that's bad, and that's pretty good for other teams, but he's going to start hitting these throws, and Bryce is going to start hitting those throws. He did it in a tough game against A&M. He ended up hitting the throws. He's going to have a chance to make big plays against the Auburn secondary that's ranked about 88th in the country against Power 5 teams, and um, just don't throw it at Roger McCurry. Throw it, throw it everywhere else. So I mean, that guy's a high, no, he's the he's the highest rated corner according to PFF in college football. Throw it to everybody else if they want to lock up JMO. It's time to see Leary, Brooks, Slade, and and Mechie really get in the action. Yeah, I definitely think that when he drops back to pass pre-play, he's going to one or he's going to eight. And then I think when it breaks down, it's anybody's ball game. He's just – because I still don't think he wants to run. He doesn't look like he wants to run, but he does love to escape pressure and then, you know, keep his eyes downfield, much like the play to Christian Leary. He could have easily ran for probably 10 yards in that play, but as soon as he saw that that guy come off of Leary, he just kind of flicked it out there to him, went ahead and got the touchdown. Um, so <clears throat> I think that <clears> – <throat> I think the number needs to be 16. I need to see six, and that's really not asking a lot. As far as, you know, the rest of the bunch, reception totals, it was 13. I'd like to see at least three more catches um, just because I know. I mean, Kirby, <clears throat> I know Kirby's going to try to shut down Mechie and Jameson, and you're really going to have to have those guys. And not just against Georgia. If you get by Georgia somehow, you're going to have to have them for the playoff because you're going to have to face Georgia again. And, uh, and so, you know, if you beat Georgia by getting those guys 18 to 20 receptions, and, you know, two or three touchdowns. That's just huge. That's, you know, what J-Lo was talking about last week with Bill O'Brien opening up the bag. That would be my number one. And But at the same time, man, you guys are right. It's really frustrating to throw the ball to Cameron Latu and he tries to make a guy miss and he fumbles on the two-freaking-yard line. That's just something that you can't do. When you get limited opportunities, you can't screw up. And I understand that's harsh. But, you know, if you get 100 receptions – you can fumble two or three times. Nobody's going to say anything. You know, Jamison Williams fumbles like crazy. He's fumbled more than anybody on the team. Nobody says shit. You know why? Because he's going to win the Blitken off. Um, so, you know, you make up for it. I know he gets hell a lot more opportunities, but when your opportunities are limited, you cannot fumble the football. And, uh, and so I think 
those receptions need to spike. But at the same time, I understand where, where Bryce is coming from. He's like, I'm not throwing you the ball because you're just, you're just going to screw it up for us. And, you know, when I can just run for five or six yards and wait for Jamison and Mechie to come open a couple of plays later. But, um, you know, moving to the defensive side of the ball real quick before we move on to Auburn, Lester, we see Job and we see Malachi Moore get replaced, okay? These two guys started every game for Alabama last year. We don't know what's changed. You know, Carl Scott's gone. We have a new defensive backs coach. Job isn't turning looking for the ball. Um, I think Malachi at one point was like leading the SEC in picks last year. They like six games or something like that, man. I mean, he was all over the field because teams were trying to test him because he was a true freshman playing in the slot. So they trying to line up their best receiver in the slot, throw it to the corner. He had like three interceptions off of that one play in the red zone. And, uh, and, and so this dude is a very good football player. All of a sudden they can't cover anybody. I mean, they can't, they can't cover Slade Bolden. And um, so they get replaced. Lester, if you're Nick Saban, and I know it's easy to say as a fan, but I mean, these guys have played a lot of snaps for you. You're going into a hostile environment. You got Kool-Aid, who is a freshman. He's a damn good freshman, but he is still a freshman. And, you know, you've got a team that's playing a national championship against you. This is their natty. This is their bowl game. This is everything that their season rides on is this 60 minutes of football. And they got it at home. It's going to be the best atmosphere in the country on Saturday. What do you do? Do you, do you trust Job and Malachi to go back out there even? They screwed up over and over and over again. Or do you throw the true freshman out there? I don't include Brian Branch into that because I think he's played enough football to understand what the hell's going on, uh, especially at that position. And uh, so, Lester, it's really about Kool-Aid. Do you trust Kool-Aid to go out there and play, or do you think we're going to see Joe out there first? Yeah, I, I do trust Kool-Aid to go out there and play, 100%. Um, going back to Malachi and, and Joe, those are guys who have been in this situation before. You have to – rely on them to some degree like that you just you just have to hopefully after the last game things that were wrong were things that were fixable you know things that could be corrected so that they won't happen again now granted we've been saying the same thing all year long but you know this is your older guys should be more mature should know more things in the system but I, I think there's going to be a rotation. Why not rotate? Well, it doesn't have to be either or. Rotate them in. Rotate them out. You know, play Kool-Aid. The guy's clearly talented. He needs to play. He needs to be on the field. But at the same time, you have older guys who have been there, who have the experience. They need to be leading that DB group. You know what I mean? So I, I'd like to say rotation. I'd like to see, you know, I don't want to see one or the other. And if it is a one or the other situation, just go ahead and play Kool Aid the whole game. You know what? I'm not so if sure. Kool-Aid, if if, if, if Kool Aid buzz, mm-hmm. he's a freshman. I don't want to see a guy who's been in the system two, three years, or you know, someone who's not a freshman bust. Like there's there, there's really no excuse for that. So just go ahead, play Kool Aid, and let's let's ride with it. But I would love to see a rotation of all three of those guys. You know, executing. You can't you can't play a rotation in the defensive backfield because you know you gotta you gotta get a feel for the game. You gotta see the formations from the field. You gotta try to figure out what they're doing. You know what kind of what are they throwing at you routes route combo wise and and so I, I think you're like your second point. You just say go with one and being Kool Aid, but you know you're just in a lose lose situation for Nick Saban. I mean, if Kool Aid but or if Josh Joe bust, you go with him. Then you know get this clown out. He's been doing that all year. And if Kool Aid busts, it's you know you got a senior on the sidelines that started for two years. Why is he not in the game in this environment and all this stuff? So I mean you're just in a lose lose situation. But I, I just play Kool Aid. Like I mean, I'm not saying just write Josh Job off, but appreciate what you've done for us. You want you helped win a national championship. You were a big part of that team. You were a starting cornerback that was thrown a lot, you know, he was thrown on a lot last year because of Sertain on the other side. So a lot of teams went at Josh Job and Malachi Moore, and they both played way above their heads. And uh, But now, I mean, every everything's different. You can't get complacent. And I'm not saying that's what happened with those two, but it's probably one of the factors. You can't get complacent just because you have a, you have a job from, you know, through the spring and the summer and camp and, you know, throughout the whole season – that doesn't give you the right to just, you know, not play hard, not try to improve, especially Job. I expected more out of him because 
this was his money year. You know, he came back, and you hate to bench a guy like that. But at the same time, Nick Saban preaches, I'm going to play the best player. And he hasn't done that. He played Chris Owens, who was not the best player. He did that for 10 weeks. And uh, if Josh Job is not the best player at corner, then he doesn't need to be playing. So I think I'd ride with Kool-Aid as well. Um, he's definitely going to be a starter next year. And, uh, you know, Josh, I appreciate what you did for us, but, you know, you just effed up too many times. <laughs> uh, but J-Law sliding in to the Iron Bowl, man. It's Iron Bowl week. Uh, everybody knows about this one. This is one that's talked about, but it's really not. And J-Law, you're a guest on a certain radio station. I won't repeat the name on this here podcast, but I've heard you say before on your Monday interviews, um, you used to have the whole show. And they, they kicked you off. And uh, that might have inspired some people out there. But uh, you're a guest on Mondays. And I heard you say one time that in this game, if Alabama wins, you don't hear anything from either side. Because Alabama's supposed to win. And they're supposed to win big every single year. But if Auburn wins, you don't hear about the next day. Next day. next You hear it for 365 days. And you probably see that bitch on ESPN too you know, replay, like we've seen the kick six for what, eight years now? And so I mean, that was the last relevance of Auburn's program was eight years or eight years ago. Um, you know, I guess getting to the SEC championship in 2017 where their rival ended up winning the national championship that year. But go into more detail on that about, you know, and, and I'm just kind of, I'm not quoting what you said. I'm just kind of giving everybody the, you know, just Al if Alabama wins, nobody cares. It's not a big deal. If Auburn wins, it's a meltdown. Just go ahead and go ahead and emphasize on that because I think it's a great point, and I'm butchering it. So go ahead. Well, the, the matter of the fact is this game isn't fun for Alabama fans. This game has no relevance outside of the day that is played. There is no glory if you win. There's only demise and the gut wrenching feeling of losing. There is no excitement if you win. It's only relief. It is a, a sigh of relief. Thank God we won this game because when we win the game, nobody cares. Greg McElroy's comeback in 2009 has been lost in the midst of six national championships. Of Iron Bowl highlights, I would say it gets 2% of the screen time compared to all the rest of the Iron Bowl highlights over the last 14, 15 years. And I think the biggest problem is it's because Alabama for a long time, since Bear Bryant has been the most, uh, I don't want to say hated program in college football, but they've been the one that everybody wants to lose the most. It hasn't been Ohio State. It hasn't been Michigan. It hasn't been USC. It hasn't been Georgia. It hasn't been all those irrelevant programs that can probably combine for five national titles in the last 55 years is the University of Alabama. So this game for Alabama fans, and we've been texting all week, I just want it to be over. If I could fast forward to Sunday and somebody tell me that Alabama won this game 27-7, to 7, I'd be okay with not even watching the damn thing. I'll wake up on Sunday, figure out Alabama wins, move on to the next point. And a, part, a lot of this irrelevance of this game for Alabama fans does come because of the, the standard, the bar, that has been risen by Nick Saban, the fact that this is a regular season game. I love listening to John Longshore because this is a freaking regular season game that Alabama lost four years ago and went to the freaking national championship game, lifted that beautiful gold and silver college, Dr. Pepper college football playoff trophy in the confetti in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, hoisted it in the air, after losing to Auburn, and you would have thought Auburn won the fucking Super Bowl. Excuse my language. You would have thought these guys won the damn Super Bowl. Man, they were, they were passing the damn Iron Bowl trophy or whatever the hell they passed. They're storming the field, and your ass gets blown out in back-to-back damn games. on Johnson's dragging his leg behind him in, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He can't even walk after the game because Gus Malzahn is such a horrible coach that he saves everything in his whole bag of tricks to possibly beat Georgia and Alabama every year. And then you come out, UCF gives you absolute hell in the postseason. And Alabama lifts the trophy at the end of the year. You know, this, this game is what it is. 
And guess what? This damn game don't matter this year because Alabama can lose Saturday. If they beat Georgia, they're going to they're gonna sneak into the college football playoff. If they win Saturday and lose to Georgia, guess what? Their ass ain't getting in. So if you're Alabama, you want to – if you think that Kool-Aid with, with another start can be better than Josh Joe, play Kool-Aid. If you think Damian George is going to be better than Chris Owens and he needs more reps, I don't care. I want to win. Don't get me wrong. But I don't care because you're not, you're not winning a national title if you lose to Georgia. But, I mean, so this game has, this game has nothing to do really with the grand scheme picture, the bar that Nick Saban has set. Win this game, move on, play Georgia, get better this week. And that's all this week should be about as Alabama getting better and getting ready to play Georgia. Yeah, I think uh, in that 2017, after Bama wins the national championship, like you were talking about, I think Carlson, the kicker, went on, I think it was Feinbaum or ESPN or something, and he he, he legit said, he said, they might be national champs, but we're, but we're state champs. It's like, like that like that held, you know, a higher power than winning the freaking natty. But, yeah, you're right. That's the mindset of, of an Auburn fan, an Auburn player, Auburn coach. And, uh, you know, that's just the difference in the two programs. They're, they're called the little brother for a reason. And uh, that's a very good explanation of why it's like that and why that's always been the little brother. And that's why it's always going to be the little brother because Alabama's expectations go beyond this game. Auburn stops. Um you know, like I said earlier, this is their national championship. And the thing is with Alabama fans, every single year, whether you're a one-point favorite or a 20-point favorite like you are this week, you're going to ask every Alabama fan, you know, how do you feel about it? What do we feel? Especially when, when the game's in Jordan-Hare. And, uh, and luckily for us, you've got one guy on this podcast and Lester who's extraordinarily confident that Alabama's going to wax ass. You got J Law who thinks they're going to lose by sixty. You got me who's still kind of I'm, I'm kind of you know seesawing a little bit. I'm kind of on both sides of the fence. I don't really know which way I'm leaning just yet. I want to say Alabama's going to win big. I think I mentioned earlier to you guys that maybe maybe like 2015 you're on you're around up you know eight to ten points all all game, and then you pull away late and win by 16, 17. I can see it that going that way. But Lester, let's start with you, man. I'm just going to ask the question: How are we feeling about this game? Explain, explain the way you're feeling, or tell tell us how you're feeling, and explain why you're feeling that way. Um, yeah, I'm feeling a certain type of way because it's wild turkey in my cup. But um, um, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that I, I I'd feel much better if I could if I could trust this team and. I don't really – I trust the team, but when you play Auburn, stuff happens, man. Stuff happens, bad things, crazy things, things you cannot explain. And watching that Arkansas game last week, fumbles and and uncharacteristic bad play, if that continues to Saturday, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be fun. Um, I think Bama wins, but I, I don't know. I clearly the people in Vegas haven't had any wild turkey, yeah. but I, I, I don't. I don't think I don't see a twenty point game at all. I, I definitely so wait, don't see. did you change your your mindset? Because earlier you were saying you know the wax that. Do I need to call Drew and get him on here? Wait, was it Drew was the guy that was confident? I thought you were with him. No, 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 not really. I don't. I think what did I predict? Like a you predicted around 21 points. No, I thought, I, thought you, I thought you predicted like a 42-21 type deal. No, 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 definitely not. I don't I don't think Bama covers. I, I really don't. I, I hope mean, they I do. guess they gotta get Drew and Matthew on here. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think they cover. Um I, I, I'd feel better if I just didn't feel like this team played to their competition. I think I was talking with J Law earlier when we playing Call of Duty. I'm like this team, they don't play to perfection, which is what Saban, that's his, that's his philosophy. They don't play to achieve perfection. They're playing to beat the other teams. And when you play down to competition, that's how you get beat. If I knew that this team was motivated and played to perfection, then, hey, I can see that cover easily happen. And they still may easily cover, but I just don't feel – that great about a 20 point 
spread. I don't. I don't. I don't think the Bama will cover that. Okay, J Law. <clears throat> I guess I misread Lester this week. Uh, I thought he was. He was on the fence of, you know, I guess a borderline cover. I mean, I guess he still thinks we're going to win by two touchdowns or at least double digits on the road. Still impressive. But you're worried. And I want to know why. What's, what's going on? What what about this game this season? Not necessarily in, in, in seasons past, but what about this game this season makes you worried of, of about, about Alabama going into Jordan here? They can't stop anybody. And, I, and I'm hoping that the trend continues for Pete Golding's defense. After having a bad game, they wake up for a game or two, and uh, they play a little bit better. Bad against Tennessee, bad against A&M. Don't give up a touchdown against State. Give up three easy touchdowns against Tennessee, which could have been a 52 to 10 type of ball game if they just have their head on right. Come back out the next week and give up really to me one touchdown because Drew Savada let a, let a fake punt happen. So, I mean, I guess LSU, and then they, they kind of come out two weeks later against Arkansas. They don't have a great performance. Can the defense recalibrate in this one, get refocused? And also, uh, the, the, the inconsistency is what kills me. I also texted y'all earlier that Alabama won five consecutive games to start the year on the road, backup quarterback in front of 100,000 people, an unranked team. Alabama drops the game to Zach Calzada, who was the number 487 overall recruit in the 2019 class and the number 19 pro stock quarterback. TJ Alabama's now won five games in a row. They're going on the road against an unranked team. Second string quarterback, TJ Finley's like number 490 overall uh, prospect in the 2020 class and the number 18 pro style quarterback in that class as well. So uh, like the TJ Finley should not be a problem. Alabama's defensive backs, if anybody's going to make him a problem, that'll be Pete Golding. It'll be Jay Valet. It'll be Josh Job, Jordan Battle. Who oh, Jordan Battle it ha- has not given up a touchdown this year. I saw that stat earlier this week. I could have sworn that's not true. Because he doesn't but cover. Maybe he has played 400 defensives. I mean, so, but he's the he's like the only safety in college football that hasn't given up a touchdown. So, I mean, I don't know. Is he that bad? Is the other is well, we know the other safety is bad, whether it's been Helms, whether it's been Daniel Wright. Whoever you put over there has been bad this year. But it's just that it's in Auburn, and this team has so many inconsistencies. I take Alabama's team two years ago versus this Auburn team. Mac Jones could have scored 100 on them. Um, We'll just see if Alabama can come out back-to-back weeks with great offensive game plans. And they haven't played a road game since mid-October. So they played back-to-back road games in October. They have not been on the road since. Yeah, that – is probably the most worrisome thing for me about Alabama is, you know, not saying you forget how to play on the road, but you get comfortable at home when you, you know, you have a bye week thrown in there too. So you haven't been on the road in six weeks. You know, you've been at home five straight weeks. This is your sixth week. And, 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 you know, since you played a road game and, uh, and not, this isn't just a a road game at at Ole Miss when you've got 60,000, this is 88,000 or whatever, of people who want your head. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's their national championship. I'll keep repeating that. And uh, you got home field advantage for a natty. So that right there is probably the only thing that worries me because everywhere on the field, Alabama has an advantage. You know, whether it's kicker, you know, with Carlson going down, Alabama special teams is better. The receivers are better. I think their offensive line is still better than Auburn's. Um, You know, even though as bad as they played, I still take them over Auburn's offensive line. Uh, you know, of course, quarterback, running back, receivers, um, you know, and, of course, the whole defense, uh, especially with Owen Popo being out. But there's just – there's a lot of negatives for me that, that goes on with Auburn is, you know, they, they've lost three in a row. So, where's their mindset at as a team? And I understand it's easy to get up for a rivalry game, but Auburn's never had to do it when they've lost three in a row, you know, at least in the last decade, or I'm sorry, not in the last decade, but under Gus Malzahn, Gus never lost three in a row while he was at Auburn. So in, at least in the last eight years, you haven't had to, to get up for an iron bowl whenever you were six and two. I mean, you would just be the top 10 team at home by double digits and uh, you're, you're, you're flying up the rankings and all of a sudden, boom, you lose to an A&M team who's 
who's so I mean they're they're pretty good. They're not elite by any means, but they're they're pretty good. You lose to them on the road, then you know you come home, boom, you're up twenty eight to three, and then all of a sudden Mississippi, Mississippi State comes back and beats you by nine, and then you know you go on the go on the road, South Carolina just you know lay an egg. So where's their where's their mindset at right now? Um, you know they have a backup quarterback. Bo Nix breaks his ankle. He has a completely different dynamic than T.J. Finley does. There's nothing really about T.J. Finley that scares you. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, some more negative factors for Auburn. Alabama dropped in the polls, and it's simply because of the fact – you know, they didn't lose a game. It's simply because of the fact that they're not beating people the way that the committee thinks they should be. They beat Arkansas by seven points. Well, that was a, what, nine or 20-something and a half point spread, whatever, what, 20 and a half point spread – and they won by seven. So it's not the fact that they're losing. They're just not beating people the way that the committee thinks they should. Um, and then also, you know, Bo Nix gets on the next round and pops off the mouth about how Alabama gets favorable calls. You know, he's not playing in the game. He, he, does, he's done, he doesn't have an effect on the game. So he decides, hey, I'm going to use this opportunity to run my mouth and talk some shit about Alabama because I don't have to suffer the consequences because they can't hit me. You know, screw TJ. You know, he probably got TJ Finley drilled. Um, or he probably just put a bullseye on TJ Finley, you know, along with everybody else on the sidelines by saying that because, you know, Alabama's got bullets and board material now, you know, like they needed enough with the committee really thinking less of them. Uh, that's really what that ranking means. And um, and now, you know, Bo Nick saying that, that Alabama's, you know, the golden child or whatever and, and getting all the, the referee calls. But to me, this game is about quarterbacks and not just this Iron Bowl. I'm talking about college football as a whole. I believe that quarterbacks in this day and age of football win you games. Um, you look at 2016, uh, what Deshaun Watson did to Alabama, considered one of the greatest spread defenses of the era. Um, that team was just loaded with NFL talent and they're still playing today. And uh, Deshaun Watson just picked him apart for over 400 yards. Um and, you know, you, when you've got Bo Nix, who grew up an Auburn fan, you know, his dad played quarterback at Auburn. He went to games growing up. And, uh, and this kid just really just grew up hating Alabama. He's like us. You know, you grow up hating Auburn. You grow up hating Tennessee. For Bo Nix, you grow up – I mean, imagine if we got to play quarterback for Alabama. Of course, we try to win every single game, right, because we love Alabama. We love the university. But – that Auburn game would tote just a little bit more weight. You see what I'm saying? And to those of you out there listening, I know you know what I'm talking about. Like, we would try our hardest for the University of Alabama if we were playing quarterback. But for those Tennessee and Auburn games, it's just that much more hate for the opposing team. And that's what Bo brought. And, and you know, he beat Alabama as a freshman. And, uh, you know, he got, he got his ass waxed last year. But – the, the dynamic that he brings and the rinky-dink kind of fluky plays that he's able to make, you know, you look at the one against LSU without that play, they don't win that football game, and they're sitting here at five and six right now. And, uh, you know, those are the types of plays that kind of scare you. You know, you bust the coverage, and, and he, he has a chance of hitting the wide-open receiver. T.J. Finley, he's a, he's, a, he's a statue in the pocket. He can't run. He can't, he can't move laterally. Um, He's not going to throw people off his bat like K.J. Jefferson would. Once he feels pressure, he's going down. He doesn't want to get hit. And, um, of course, you know, big rocket cannon arm can't hit the broad side of a barn. So, I mean, Lester, that, that's just my take on, on where I'm standing with Auburn. There is worrisome things for Alabama that I have, but I think there's just way too many more for Auburn. That, that, that's kind of where I'm sitting and if I had to guess, I'm going to say Bama wins by two touchdowns. I'm going to say anywhere from 14 to 17 points. I don't see him covering the 19 and a half. But, Lester, did you give a number? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Are you thinking, like, this game could be single digits? Uh, I'm going to say, like, a 31-17, um, 31-20-ish kind of game. Um, and if Bama scores more than, you know, if Bama scores in the 40s, it's because – Auburn is scoring the football. Um, this team doesn't have like the 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 mindset or the discipline to continue to execute. Like I said, they they kind of play their competition. So I'm going to predict like a 31 to 20 for Auburn, and uh, yeah, that'll that'll be my score prediction. 
J-Law, if Auburn is you hurt Alabama with their offense, where's it going to come from? Is it going to be just Tank doing what he wants to up front? I really think Alabama tries to key on the run here in this game. Uh, or do you expect TJ Finley to just kind of, you know, not light it up with his arm, but maybe just throw the ball downfield and kind of see what happens. You know, Auburn's known to do that. And uh, that might be the best the best way to throw against Alabama right now. You look at what Arkansas did, and I know Auburn doesn't have Traylon Burks, but, uh, man, a lot of success throwing downfield. No, I, I think the success is, is in the back. Who's back? Mike Bobo's back. What is Alabama going to see this week? And, we, you know, Nick Saban said that the 50% of the plays and formations that we saw against Arkansas – is not what you looked for uh, on the, or looked at on the film. So stop making the defense so difficult. I think Lush is right when he talks about this. Go out there, run a base defense. You were saying earlier, let your defense plays, play balls to the wall where there's no second guessing, and if they just beat you on it, they beat you on it. Don't beat yourself. That's where they can hurt them. And, uh, and I just – that's really, to me, that that is it. They're not going to – Line up, mano e mano, and kill you. I mean, they don't have a great offensive line, pass blocking or run blocking. Neither does Alabama. I'm not trying to say that Alabama's way more dominant in the trenches. Now, Alabama's defensive line and their defense, still, if you look at the numbers, eighth in total defense, still giving up less than 100 yards a game uh, running. So, I mean, like, they can get physical in the trenches. And I think if you're Alabama's defense chase you, don't you just say, here's – Here's five guys. We're coming to get you. You better pick us up. Make T.J. Finley think a little faster. Because against Zach Calzada, they didn't do it, especially in the first half. They sat back. They wanted to play coverage. While Jimbo was throwing formations at you that you weren't necessarily prepared for, that you hadn't seen on tape. And by the time you sit back and you, and you let the plays develop, you're in trouble. I think you, you, you put some guys in the box and you make Auburn coach around that and you dictate that as opposed to Auburn dictating what you're going to do on defense simply because they tried a new formation out there. Lester, let, let, let's me and you get into that, what Jay Law is talking about, because that's something that we've been on the on the same page about for a long time is, uh, is you know, this defense, you know, we're tired of hearing the same old bullshit every week about how, you know, they threw something at us that we weren't ready or that we didn't prepare for. That's an excuse. And thing is, Lester, we've said this shit for three or four years. This isn't something that we figured out two weeks ago. You know, we've been saying this for years, that why would you even watch film if you're an Alabama defensive coordinator? Because you're not going to see what's on film. Every single team that you play has a, a different playbook designed for you. And, you know, this is what we think will hurt Alabama. And, uh, you know, you've heard me rant before that – Jimbo Fisher was willing to take two losses back-to-back in the West, two divisional losses, because he was being bland on offense with a backup quarterback, but he was not using that stuff that he he was saving for Alabama. He was not going to pull that out of a bag in order to get a win versus Mississippi State and Arkansas. He just did not care because beating Alabama gets you raises. And, you know, he had already signed an extension anyway, but that's the that's the mindset, that's the saying. Beating Alabama, beating Nick Saban gets you a raise. It's a game that's going to be talked about forever. So, like I texted y'all earlier today, Jimbo could have used those offensive formations that he did against us and those different kind of plays against Mississippi State and Arkansas, and he could have won those two ball games. Of course, he would have lost to Alabama because he'd have shown his hand but, you know, you might beat Ole Miss, you might not. So you're sitting here at the end of the season. You know, I'm thinking maybe if a playoff spot's on the line for A&M, you know, you beat uh, Ole Miss. And then you, you damn well might be sitting here at 11-1, and one, you know, with a chance. You know, if Alabama loses, because Alabama would be going to, uh, to, to the SEC championship because they'd be 12-0. and 0. But if they beat Georgia, you, you, might, you might have three teams – competing with you know for for a for the a playoff spot it might be a&m alabama uh georgia and and ohio state in the dang playoff but he was so worried about beating nick saban and so obsessed with it that he did not show his hand 
against Mississippi State and Arkansas. He was willing to lose those games just to beat Alabama. Now he's going to end up nine and three, eight and four. And it's going to be just as successful of a season for them as if they'd gone to the playoffs because they beat Alabama Lester. So, you know, we, we've talked all day about it, definitely. Um, we've talked for weeks, we've talked for months, years, whatever you want to say, that something's got to give, and especially under in the peak golden year. Because like we pointed out before, this is year three. And uh, it, it's the same old stuff we hear it every week, how we didn't prepare for this. And we're just tired of hearing it, and we know how to fix it, but the guys getting paid millions have no clue. Yeah, man, it's, it's gotten really old. Um, it's gotten really old really quick. I, I The thing is, is they ran 50% of things that we didn't prepare for or whatever. Like, I, like what, do you, what do you mean? It's football. The example that I gave y'all earlier is Arkansas didn't come out running the triple option like Alabama did against USC in 1971. Arkansas has not – they did not run a completely different offense. That's not what happened. What is Nick trying to protect Pete is – what I don't get is why is the – biggest athletic department or one of the biggest why is one of the biggest athletic football staffs in the country having a hard time preparing for whatever they're throwing at you why does emotion just completely screw you up why i don't i don't understand it and and i don't like an excuse because it's a bs excuse nick saban has been playing football from when he was a quarterback in high school up to being a defensive guru for 60 years. What do you mean they ran stuff you haven't seen before? That's a lie. That is not true. It's not true. You, This is not the first year in Alabama football history under Nick Saban that someone has run a motion across the field. Why aren't you prepared for that? This is not This is not hard. It's, it's, it's actually quite simple. You have the best defensive talent in the country per the recruiting services and all that jazz, whatever. Why are you trying to stop everything? You can't do that. You cannot line up and say, when this and when they're in this formation, they run this 80% of the time. When they're in this formation, they do this 60% of the time. You can't do that anymore. The spread offenses, you can do anything out of any formation with anybody. That's the spread. That's 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 the spread nowadays. I mean, if JMO lined up at running back. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure he could be pretty good in that situation or whatever. But simplify the defense. Read and react. Be simple. Be simple. It's not hard. It's not hard. I'm just trying to excuse. Just say that we didn't prepare. Just say that. What have you done from the national championship up until August? Did you not prepare for anybody all season or an emotion? How is that not somewhere in some book practice weekly somewhere? How is that not there? So I, I'm, I'm over it. If they can keep using that BS excuse for the rest of the season, they want to. But it's just a little crap to me. I, I really don't care because it's a lie. And it's a bold-faced lie. And anybody who knows uh, Iota about football knows it's a lie. That should not completely screw you up. It shouldn't. I don't care what they do. Yeah. It, it, on, on one hand, I, I understand it, it's the speed of the game kind of thing. So if you're not fitting the exact gap that you're supposed to fit pre-play um, against the run, then they're going to bust it on you because these backs are so fast. Uh, you know, linemen, it's not like the old days where you've got 11 in the box and you've got to physically drive people off the ball. All you got to do is like shield them you know, just kind of get in front of them or, you know, maybe leg whip them or just get a hand on them, just hold them for just a half a second to where the ref can't see it. And the backs are so fast. Um, and there's so few people in the box. There's just, there's just more lanes to run through. So you really, it's very difficult in that four two that Alabama runs um, to, to really just fit all the skin. Whenever you motion somebody, it changes your fits and the guys are so fast, uh, you don't have time to adjust to that. So I understand 
But uh, but on the other hand, like you're saying, Nick Saban didn't start coaching defense yesterday. I mean, even in the spread era, dude, he's been facing this for eight years. Like, I, this would be an excuse if it was 2012 or 2013 and Johnny Menzel just ran all over you or Auburn with their illegal plays, lining downfield and stuff like that. But, I mean, like – They've helped you out with some rule changes with the substitutions and the lineman downfield rule, and they've added a referee because the game's so fast, stuff like that. So this isn't day one that you're trying to stop the spread, and you're telling me that, you know, it, how, how do you not plan for a motion? Like, do you not see a two-by-two two set or a three-by-one set and say, hey, you know, they could easily slide a guy over here. Uh, and, and if you want to just have analysts doing that, and just give it to Pete and be like, hey, you know, I, I try to do this. And just tell the guys, hey, look for this. If they do this, we're going to run this. But like you said about simplifying the defense, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no need to change coverages because of emotion. You don't need to signal to the other guy and start doing your hands and, and doing all this shit. Like if they, if they, if they start in a two-by-two two and they get over three-by-one three by one, and you've got a cover three called run cover three, if you've got man-to-man called, run man-to-man. And I don't understand, like, what I told you all earlier, stop trying to confuse the quarterback because quarterbacks have seen so much defense by now that unless you're playing quarterback for New Mexico State, that you're not going to be confused because also, like I told you, your playbook for Alabama is for Alabama. It does not say, hey, if we think they're in cover two, we're going to run this. If we think they're in cover three, we're going to run this. It's no, this is our scripted drive. This is what we're running. On the second drive, it is also scripted. This is what we're running. The third drive, also scripted. This is what we're running. Hell, if they stop it, we incomplete some stuff or turn the ball over and we're down 21 nothing, so be it. But this is what gives us the best chance to win. And I know it's not what we've run all year, but it's what we think will work against Alabama. So this is what we're going to run. And that's what they do. And so, team, stop trying to confuse the quarterback with your coverages and your disguises. Everything's about disguising the spread area. You hear Nick Saban talk about that a lot. Stop trying to disguise shit and just let your, let your playmakers go make plays. You've got – more talent than anybody on the field that you're going to play against except maybe one or two teams in, in Georgia and Ohio State. Every single team that you play, you're going to have better athletes than on paper. So don't confuse them. Don't make them think too much pre-snap. Lester said that before. And go get after somebody's ass. If you want to bring pressure, bring pressure. And I understand about showing it late or, you know, maybe a corner blitz or whatever, show it early, then back off. That's fine. But don't play like a, a cover two disguise and you've got one safety in the middle of the field and he's got to cover two thirds. It's just, it's, it's too much. It's too much. And then those motions change everything. And here's the thing, Nick Saban's got so many damn assistants out there. They know that they know, they know that motions screw up Nick Saban because they coach for him. And they know that whenever they mo other teams like the motion to a certain thing, he likes to run this and they know that. So you've got to adapt as well because you've got so many branches that have been plucked off of your tree, you know, you're just basically a log by now. <laughs> and, and so I, I think that's a big thing that needs to change. Me and Lester have been on the same page with that for a long time, but offensively J-Law, sorry, I, went, I got a little long-winded there. That's I'm kind of passionate about that. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, J-Law, hope you didn't go to sleep. Hope you're still with us. Offensively against this Auburn defense, Auburn defense below average on the defensive line. Good at linebacker, even with Owen Popo out. I think Jacoby McLean's very good player. Average in the secondary. You've brought up uh, McCreary earlier. He's a very good corner. Pritchett's pretty good. Smoke Monday sucks. Uh, by Darius Knight and the guy from freaking SEMO sucks. Um, so there's a lot of holes in this Auburn defense. Where do you think Alabama best attacks on Saturday? Well, I mean, this is what I've been saying since the Ole Miss game, and I was still, I'm still mind boggled that Lane Kiffin just wanted to still try to establish the run as much as he did in that game with the starting center out with another offensive lineman out. I know Matt Corral was a little banged up, but he still just wanted to run it and run it and run it, and they can run it. But the issue is, they can't stop the pass. Mississippi State put up. 40 in a row on these guys 
guy at South Carolina who's their Shane Beamer says they ran the same two plays in the second half. And although they didn't score a lot, they really didn't stop when they had some mistakes, sack, you know, things along those lines. But man, you throw the ball against these guys, and it, you know what? You know what? That the only there's only two counters for that for Auburn is to drop eight and then Alabama switches into a run play, or you blitz and hope to God Bryce Young doesn't have enough time. And I love that Bill O'Brien. You know, we talked about bags. We talked about creativity has best game of the year against Arkansas, and it's a shame that he needed to have the best game of the year against Arkansas. But finally, you feel like the rock. Finally, you put in Kendall Randolph. If you can't block with two tackles, damn, add a third one, keep him in pass pro, but still find a way to run four guys into a 5DB format and a 5DB set, and and then you – you like your odds with either Mechie, Bolden, Latu, or J-Mo, one of those guys to find a spot to sit down in the zone or win in man coverage. And that's what I, all the Alabama receivers and all the Alabama tight ends did on Saturday. So I'm not sure how Auburn counters it. The only thing that I can say, man, I'd blitz. And if, if Bryce Young sits back there and he takes a few hits and he still beats you, then he beats you. But there's no way in hell if I'm Auburn that I'm going to let Bryce Young sit back and pick me apart when I know that Alabama has a below average offensive line still less than a hundredth in the nation and sacks allowed sub 80 and tackles for loss per game. They gave eight more tackles for loss guys against Arkansas who doesn't have a great tackle for loss defense and not typically a team that likes to get after the quarterback that much. There's a team that drops seven or eight guys every single play. Alabama still found a way to have eight negative plays. And luckily, Bryce Young is, I mean, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, that second and 14 doesn't phase the guy. He's just going to throw it 79 yards over your head. Lester, same question, man. Moving over to the offensive side of the ball. What kind of day, what kind of success do you think Bryce can have against the secondary? If they are going to blitz, do you agree with what J-Law is saying? Is that if you're Derrick Mason, is that how you attack Alabama's offense? Um, or do you do it maybe a different way? And if they do decide to blitz, um, how much success do you think Bryce can have with it? Yeah, if I'm Dave Mason, I am totally blitzing. Why wouldn't you? Look at how Bama has had confusion confusion on the offensive line um, between the running backs, you know, picking up blitzes. You know, kind of that's been a problem all year. I blitz, but, you know, I have faith in, you know, Bryce and to make the right calls and guys up front to make the right calls and the running backs to pick up, you know, some of those guys and give Bryce time. And if Bryce has time, as we can see, he can shred it with the best of them. Um, the guy is precise. He's like a surgeon on the field. He's Bryce isn't going to make any mistakes. I feel like, you know, once he distributes the ball, once the ball's out of his hands, it is what it is at that point. But I trust Bryce. I mean, the guy could put up 500 yards against Auburn if he wants to, if if Nick wants to, if Bill O'Brien wants to. Bryce can certainly do anything on that football field that they ask him to do. So, yeah, I'm, Bryce can – it all depends on, you know, the other guys around Bryce. How are they going to play? You know, they play great. They give Bryce time. If they get open, if they, you know, don't fumble, if they get yards after the catch, it's going to be a great day. You're at home, and you, you got to bring the house. Uh, I think that's what Darren Mason's thinking. That's what he's game planning for. And he, he knows that you have a chance of having more success by bringing gas against this team because, like y'all are talking about, offensive lines weak. They don't communicate well. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll scare Bill O'Brien into keeping the running back in for protection, having some seven-man protections – you know, you ring seven yourself, you're still four on four, you know, you just kind of take your chances and, um, you know, defend against the slant routes. That's going to be a hot route. John Metchie's had a lot of success with that the last two games. Um, so I think that's glaringly obvious what he's going to do, because if you're going to be aggressive, you're going to do it in your home field and you're going to do it against a higher ranked opponent. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's, that's pretty easy to tell. Um, but I I just, you know, I talked about quarterbacks earlier. I just trust Bryce Young way too damn much. And, you know, I, I, I broke down a list for y'all earlier this afternoon about 
you know, quarterbacks in this game that I trusted. You know, I trusted AJ in 2013. He didn't get the job done. Um, I, I trusted Blake Sims 2014 uh, as a shootout and didn't have the best game, but he still won it. Made some big plays for us in that game. I trusted Coker in 2015. Um, I trusted Jalen as a freshman in 2016. Didn't trust him in 2017. Actually picked us to lose that game. And then uh, 2018, of course, you had trust in Tua. 2019, I didn't have trust in Mac. It was his first road start and uh, in that environment. And as good as he played, he still gave up 14 points, um, you know, through, through pick sixes. But I just trust Bryce Young too much for him to go in, go into this environment and, and make mistakes. He's just too calm. He's too chill. And uh, he's just too level-headed to let anything bother him. And until I see him get rattled, I'm going to have to continue to think like that. But uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. Let's go score prediction time, guys. Is there anything else you want to add? If there is, go ahead and then follow it up with your score prediction. Jay law let's start with you. Yeah, nothing more to bring to the table. 30 to 13. Auburn's defense doesn't give up a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. They give up a lot of yards in between the 20s. I still think Reichard, if Alabama can get the ball in the red zone, they have the highest red zone scoring percentage, whether that be touchdown or field goal, just getting a score in the red zone in the conference. They're at like 93% red zone opportunities. They normally leave with points. So, I like Alabama, three touchdowns, three field goals. Just how many points can T.J. Finley score? How many times are they going to catch Alabama off guard? And is he going to have the game of his life like K.J. Jefferson had without having a Trillion Burst to throw to? Um, he might. I've seen it before. I'm the one that's thinking that this one's going to be close. I'm the one that's sitting here thinking that, you know, they're going to bring gas. They're going to hit Bryce. They're not going to have time for plays to develop. But uh, I, I think it's close. I think it's going to be a close game going into the fourth quarter, and I'm going to believe that the rest of my life every time Alabama plays in Jordan here until I see it not be true. Lester, what you got for us? I know you said whatever, 31-17. Has, you, you sticking with that? Is that what you're going to go with? Uh, 31 is, feels so low for – I know it, man. It sure does. It feels really low. I know it's um, on the road, but still. Yeah, I want to tack another touchdown on there, but I'm not going to do it. I will tack on another field goal because Riker's got to pull his head out of his ass. So I'll go 34-17. 34-17, Bama. I think that Alabama's big play capability, not just in the passing game, but in the run game, has really improved over the last three or four games. Like we talked about, those were at home. Uh, is it going to translate to the road? You hope so. I, I think so. Um, you know, Jameson Williams is just so good. And for him to be going up against an average secondary, um, if they don't bring gas, they're in trouble. I think if they do bring gas, they're in trouble, um, especially if Bryce decides to use his younger weapons. And then if Latu and Billingsley can get involved, that'd be tremendous. Along with the running backs, uh, I, I don't know um, – if it's the screwball whiskey or if it's the Mike Bobo and Derek Mason coaching staff and Brian Harson on the sidelines looking like he just wants to bench press the shit out of something whenever, you know, stuff, something doesn't go Auburn's way. I'm going to go 45-24. I think Bama can, can win. It might be a late cover, but uh, I think Alabama can score at will on these guys. Um I think Arkansas has got a better defense. Alabama was able to hang 42 on them. I know it's a home, but still. Uh, thing is, I don't expect – I fully expect, you know, the, the way Auburn's last three games have been, I fully expect it to be like that. I would not be surprised if Auburn's up on Alabama 10 to nothing, 10 to 3, 17 to 7, 14 to 7. They're going to be up by a touchdown, if not 10 points, in the first quarter of the game. I fully expect that. I'm not going to be phased by it the way Auburn hasn't been able to finish games. And um, Alabama's got more experience in playing 60 minutes by this point in the year than they have in years past because they've had to do it. They've had to do it against LSU, against Arkansas, against Florida, against Texas A&M, against Tennessee. They've had more games this year where they've had to play a full four quarters than they've had in the last five or six years, it feels like. So – 
Um, I think that helps Alabama. Um, you know, let's hope that you want you hope that you can get the uh, you know get the ball rolling early and shut the crowd up. But uh, I think I'm going to call 45-24. Um, boys, you got anything else? Y'all want to wrap it up? No, I, I I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, man, I just hope for a a smooth game from Bama. No surprises, no turnovers, uh, no silly plays, no crazy penalties. Um, if 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 that if that goes well, um, yeah, I really like your score prediction. But of course, if if, if that voodoo gets to working, then ain't no telling. So that's all I got. All right, guys. Yeah, that voodoo, that voodoo magic and Jordan hair. Let's hope that it stomp, you know, Alabama can stomp it out early, but uh, it's always lingering. But um, roll tide, guys. Iron Bowl week. It's been fun. Episode 52, Gunprunners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. We're out. <laughs>